I asked to use this mic. We're going to, is it going to work or not? We right? Excellent. I asked to use this mic because I, I just like to move around and, but the sound guys aren't used to it. Anyway, it's great to have you with, with us and online. Um, we're starting off a new series. So when Brad asked me to, uh, to speak, um, I find it hard to call him Pastor Brad <laughs> for some reason. But when Pastor Brad asked me to, to speak, he said, you're, heading off, you're, you're leading off on a new series. And I, I said, oh, that's good. And he said, so what's the series about? And he goes, same God. It's about a song, same God. And we're going to sing the song, same God, after this message. And, and I, I said, okay, same God. And he goes, you have to speak on Jacob. I go, brilliant. I look through all my sermons. Nothing worked. I have to write a new one. <laughs> what is that? I'm so used to turning up to a church and using an old sermon and just, just re-tweaking re it. So today you get a brand new sermon that I haven't written for a long, long time, which is pretty good. You're, you're special. I, I, I'm just putting it out there that this will not be the only time I preach this sermon, I can tell you now, <laughs> as I travel around the churches. But it, seriously, it's exciting to be up at home preaching and sharing with you on the same God. And it's logical, it's a logical statement, is it? It's the same God yesterday, today and forever. He's the same God that was in the Garden of Eden that's with us today. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. He is the same God. And yet, what does that mean for us? And as we look at Jacob's life, I want us to think about how that relates to us and how God is the same now as he's always been. For those that don't know who I am, let me just give you a potted view of who I am. I'm a husband who's been married for nearly 40 years. My wife deserves more than a medal. Um, and, uh, so, so, but, but I'm a husband. I'm a father of four. Um, Pastor Brad being the eldest. And we've got two others children who are involved in this church very heavily and one in Wodonga who is uh, involved in another church and we're very blessed to have four children who are just loving God and following in, in those footsteps. I'm a grandparent of 10, which uh, is a lot, yes. <laughs> and when they all get together, it's hectic in a, such a lovely, lovely way. I'm a Baptist pastor. I pastored here for about 22 years and now I do regional pastoral work for the Baptist Union and supporting churches and pastors in eastern Victoria. I'm a Defence Force chaplain. So, I, you know, one or two days a week, sometimes three days a week at the moment, I, I go onto the RAF base and support the aviators and, uh, and help them and just uh, listen to their, to their story, counsel, encourage and bless them. I'm a tragic golfer, not getting any better, getting, getting a bit slower swing as I get older. The ball goes not quite as far. The adage of I stand too close to the ball after I hit it 
is becoming more and more real in my golfing career. I'm a handyman who loves tinkering and things around the house. But no matter what hat I wear, I'm the same person. My nature and character don't change. I am who I am. And I try and be that person no matter what hat I'm wearing at the time. And if we think about it in that way, that's what God's like. God, God is all these things. You know, like we often hear about the names of God. He's our redeemer. He's our healer. He's our encourager, but he's still the same God, no matter what hat he is wearing. His nature and his character never change. And so as we look at the life of Jacob, how he treated Jacob is the way, with his nature and character, is the way he looks at us and treats us. So I thought I would read to you the story of Jacob, which is 25 chapters, basically, well, not quite, it's about, it's close to that, but not quite that, in Genesis. But then I thought, that's probably just a tad boring, and I might not get much to say, and I like to speak, so I'm going to read to you the start of Jacob's story. So Genesis 25, and we're going to read the birth narrative, which really sets up Jacob's life. This, this shows... This shows the character of Jacob, of who Jacob is. So if you want to follow along, it'll be on the screen, or you can, uh, you can swipe along or turn to um, Genesis 25, verse 19. This is the account of Abraham's son, Isaac. Abraham became the father of Isaac, and Isaac was 40 years old when he married Rebekah, the daughter of Bethuel, the Armian from Padam, Aram, and the sister Laban of Araman. Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was barren. The Lord answered his prayer and his wife Rebekah became pregnant. The babies jostled each other within her and she said, why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire of the Lord and the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your wounds. The two people from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other. The older will serve the younger. When the time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. The first one came out red and his whole body was like a hairy garment. Wouldn't that be a bit of a shock? <laughs> anyway. So they named him Esau. After that, his brother came out with his hand grasping Esau's heel. So he was named Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when Rebekah gave birth to them. The boys grew up and Esau became a skillful hunter, a man of the open country, while Jacob was a quiet man, staying among the tents. Isaac, who had a taste for wild game, loved Esau, but Rebekah Love Jacob. Once when Jacob was cooking stew, Esau came from the open country famished. And he said to Jacob, Quick, let me have some of that red stew. I'm famished. 
That's why they also call him Edom. Jacob replied, First, sell me your birthright. Look, I'm about to die, Esau said. What good is my birthright to me? But Jacob said, Swear to me first. So he swore an oath to him, selling his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil stew. He ate and drank and then got up and left. So Esau despised his birthright. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. May it light to us a new insight into who you are. May it inspire us and challenge us. And may it change us, because we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Isn't Jacob just a wonderful character? Brother comes in from hunting and says, geez, I'm hungry. And the loving, caring brother says, you can have some of my stew if you give me everything you got. You give me the birthright. You forsake being the number one son. You forsake taking that mantle and following in dad's footsteps and let me usurp over the top of you. That's what he was asking. Just for a bit of stew. We won't talk about Esau's character who was so quick to go, yeah, why not? I'm that hungry. I might as well. Did he actually know what he was saying yes to or whatever? We're going to focus on Jacob, the usurper. If I, I was tempted to ask you to tell me about Jacob because, you know, I shouldn't, you know, I don't need to tell people what they already know. And we all know bits of Jacob's story if you've been hanging around for church for a while. But, but Jacob is this enigma in one sense. We know he's a twin. We know he was born second. His name means supplanter or follower. He was just hanging on to the heel of the, of the twin saying, you're not getting out of here that easy. You know, right from birth, he was trying to take Esau's place. Right from birth, he resented being the younger brother. Towards the end of his father's life, even though he'd got Esau to, to give over his birthright, the father said, I'm going to give my blessing, which was very significant in those days, to the elder son. So Esau, can you go out and hunt and bring back my favourite meal, prepare it, and I'll give you the, the blessing, which will set you up for life, for the rest of your life. So Jacob heard that, and so did mum, Rebecca. And so Esau took off, and Rebecca said, let's dress you up as Esau. Let's put some hairy garments on. Let's cook up a pot of stew, and we'll trick your father, who's blind, to actually give you the blessing. And so Jacob goes in to the father and the father goes, 
How are you back so quickly? And Jacob actually says, God blessed me in the hunt. And so I was successful very quickly. Now we can read over that pretty quick, but you know, I know you don't, but you know, occasionally you know, we might stretch the truth and tell a little bit of a lie. But would we actually say, God has actually, and used the name of God to underscore, to highlight the lie we're portraying. It's blasphemy. And God has done this so that I can present myself so quickly to you. It's a huge lie. It's not just a little lie. It's a huge lie. Anyway, Jacob goes, are you sure? You, you sound like Jacob, but you, you, you feel like and smell like Esau. So gave the blessing. So he fully took over the birthright of Esau. That's, who, that's the nature of Jacob. Jacob went on in life. This is the potted Jacob version. Went on in life and saw the love of his life when he met Laban and his daughters and met Rebecca, another Rebecca, and said to the father, what do I have to do to marry this gorgeous babe? And he said, work in my field for seven years. So he worked for seven years and Laban presented her, him with Leah, the older daughter. Jacob worked another seven years to get Rebekah. So he had two wives. He had multiple children to um, Leah, to Leah's house, to Leah's handmaid, and then to Rebekah, Rebekah's handmaid. But Rebekah never had children for a long, long time. Finally, Rebecca had some children. Um, I'm really condensing this, otherwise we won't get anywhere. Jacob was travelling, and he got to this place, and he ended up fighting a man of God, an angel, whatever you like to say. And he really struggled to say, you know, tell me what's going on. And he fought, and that man of God changed his name to Israel. And we start to get a picture of where this is heading. That he becomes the father of the Israelites. This deceitful, deceiving, conniving character becomes the patriarch of Israel. He's heading back towards catching up with Esau, who he hasn't seen for a long, long time. And he's going, is Esau going to try and kill me? I stole everything from him. You know, they haven't been close brothers or twins. And so he sent out people in front of him and he sort of, you know, he, he actually prayed to God and spent time 
bathing this, this meeting in prayer with, with God. And Esau, who became the father of the Edomites, greeted him and it all went well. And then right towards the end of his life, um, Jacob's passing on his blessing to his children. And who does he pass the first blessing to? His eldest? No. His youngest? No. His grandkids. Manasseh and Ephraim. His two grandchildren. He passes on the bless, his blessing and then blesses the other children. And we get the 12 tribes of Israel. And that's another whole story because there's more than 12 and it's complex but, um, and we haven't got time to go there. So what does this whole story of Jacob tell us about the nature of God? Here, here is Jacob's story that is just a conflict after conflict. Twice he stole his brother's birthright. Twice he had to work for, in the fields for the person he loved. Even if you read between the lines, the whole, his whole relationship with his sons... Do you want me to change mics? No? I'll keep going. Okay. It's not annoying them, obviously. That's fine. Um, his relationship with his sons is, is not ideal. You know, we, we know the story of, of Joseph and how the, how the brothers were getting on. And, and there's, this, there's this underlying current that his relationship with his, with his kids isn't, isn't brilliant, isn't peaceful. He constantly has, has famine coming into his life. He has this fight against the man of God. He is struggling the whole life. And let's say his character isn't that great. Yet after all of this, we see Jacob as the father of Israel as the patriarch, as the one that God sets up as saying, here is the man of God whom the nation of Israel comes from. We worship the same God. And you know what it says to me? It says, I don't need to be perfect. I don't need to have it all together. I don't need to respond, react, and, and, and have this relationship with God that is so pristine and pure and perfect for him to use me in an amazing way. The truth is, as we're truth seekers, the truth is the same God that watched Jacob live out his life 
watches us live out his life. Hebrews uh, 13 verse 8 says this, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today and forever. He's the same yesterday, today and forever. Our God doesn't change. His nature and character do not change. As I travel around churches, as I talk to people on RAF bases, one of, one of the constants that, that I seem to come across is this feeling that people say that I'm not good enough. I've messed up too many times. I'll just get a pass into heaven. I've got a ticket to heaven, but that's about as good as it gets for me because that's, that's all I'm worth. That's all I've got going for me. Jacob's relationship with God is not based on good decisions that Jacob made. It's not even based on good actions that Jacob made. It's not even based on, on um, how he dealt with struggles in his life. Jacob's relationship with God is based purely on one thing and one thing alone. The nature and character of God. That's what it's based on. This God that always accepts, always loves, always forgives, always wants the best for us. That is the nature and character of God in this story. And that is the God we worshipped and continue to worship. That is the God that was with us last week, today, and forever. That is the nature and character of God. If, if you want the truth about who God is, He always loves, always accepts, always encourages. Now, the, the one thing I can never get my head around about God is the whole plan A, plan B, plan C, plan Z, Y, you know, Z, A, Z, B, Z, C, how that works. That, that God has a plan for my life and I make a dumb decision, so I go from plan A to plan B. Well, well I'm up to, I've passed through so many alphabets in, in my life, I've forgotten what I'm up to. But yet I know that the character of God still puts Romans 8 into practice and says, regardless of what I do, he's going to work everything in my life for good. Regardless of how many times I stumble and fall and mess up and, and, and make mistakes and say wrong things and do wrong things, he's going to take all that into plan X, Y, Z and somehow continue to bless and encourage me. 
And Jacob is a classic example of that. Classic example of that. You sort of might, you might feel that, oh well, you, you don't, you, you don't know what I, what I've been through. You might say, and I say the right thing back to you. You don't know what I've been through. I, I haven't got a huge testimony that's, that's you know, brought about in the gutter and and things like that. But but I've stumbled and fallen a few times in my life. I haven't got it all together. But I know my God still loves me and still looks at me and goes, I want to cheer you on. I want to cheer you on. The same God will look expectantly when I come to another crossroads and say, what are you going to do? The same God will look at me, hopefully, and say, what are you going to do? What decision are you going to make? And regardless of what decision I make, he will look at me with love compassion and grace that's that's staggering that's the nature of God that is the same God that we worship and as, and as we look at character after character in this book you know I reckon for the first long time in my Christian life, you know, I felt every character in this book, while I had some mess-ups, always came back to being mature and perfect, having it all together, getting it right in the end. Well, Jacob still messed up the blessings at the end of his life. He still didn't quite get it together, did he? You know, there is story after story. And, and Jesus told the classic example of the, the, the prodigal son. Where, you know, like, I don't know if you know Mills and Boone's romance novels. I haven't, I haven't read any of them. But, you know, there is, there is literally tens of thousands of these Mills and Boons novels that all have, so they tell me, the same plot line. That there is a boy and that there is a girl. And boy meets girl. And somehow they fall out. But somehow they'll get back together and they'll waltz off into the future, happily married, living happily ever after. And somehow we think the same sort of thing happens in our life with God. That there is us and that there is God. And somehow we get together. But somehow we, we sort of struggle and fight and, and stumble and, 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 and 
have this rickety-rockety relationship. But eventually we get it together and we waltz off into the distance happily ever after. It's a nice romantic thought, isn't it? It's a lovely romantic thought. And if that's what you're thinking, you just keep thinking that. You know, and just don't listen for the next little bit. I don't want to ruin your world. But I'm not convinced that's right. That can happen. But I think there's a lot more people in this world who sort of live in this rickety-rockety area and God just says, come on. Looks at us with love and grace and mercy. And regardless of what we do, he just walks alongside us. You know, the prodigal son is that classic example where, where Jesus tells the story of two sons. One who says, oh, I'm out of here, Dad. Give me the inheritance. I don't want to work on the farm. I'm out of here. Goes and, and, and lives his inheritance out and, and spends all his money and goes, oh, that was a dumb idea, wasn't it? That didn't quite work out. And then comes back to Dad. And there is the nature and the character of Dad waiting for his son to come back, greeting him with a hug, greeting him with a party, greeting him with giving even more of himself, the nature and character of God. But there's the older son who's been faithful, standing in the field going, what's that music? What's that music? And the servants go, oh, your, your younger brother's back and dad's accepted him and throwing a party. And, and the son goes, what? What? I've been working forever. Never throwing me a party. Never done that for me. And that's where the story finishes. With the elder son still out in the field. We like to think the elder son came in and joined the party and everything was honky-dory. I think that's the, that's, the, that's the crux of it, isn't it? There's the father heart of God. And there's us going, what do we do? What's the next step in our relationship with my father? in heaven and I think many times we're standing out in the field and we're going what, what's my next step what's my next step what am I going to do what's your next step in your relationship with God maybe it's I've, I've never met God before I don't actually know who God is and your next step is a step towards him to actually introduce yourself and let God be a part of your life. Or maybe your next step is to have this wrestle like Jacob did and going, I don't want to give up, but I know you're more powerful. I, I know you've got the best interest. I, I, know, I know you're right, but I'm, I'm still fighting. And you need to allow God to say, this is your calling. This is who you are. This is what I have set you up to be. And this is your future. 
And you need to just stop and allow God to overcome you. What is your next step? Because regardless of what it is, I can tell you now, God is always the same. Whether you stop and relinquish or whether you turn your back and walk away for a while, there is the same God standing with arms open saying, when you're ready, when you're ready, I'm here. When you're ready, I will accept you again and again and again. I will forgive you again and again and again. I will encourage you again and again and again. I will bless you again and again and again. Regardless of what you've just done, regardless of what you are thinking, that is who I am, says God. And I cannot, I will not change. So the only question we have is, what is your next step? Where are you going in your relationship with God? Because it's the same God always. Let me pray. Father, we thank you that you never change. We thank you that regardless of our actions or inactions, regardless of our struggles and our thoughts, that you are the God that constantly accepts us, that constantly blesses us, that constantly encourages us. Father, we thank you that you are the consistent one in this relationship. And we give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.